I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, welcome to the Touch Em All Podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, flying solo, no Phil Mackey today. We've talked about that. Good news, bad news. I don't know where to settle. I haven't heard from you guys, so maybe we'll just call it a wash. Uh, I'm doing a Facebook show on uh, Friday afternoon, which is our typical time. I try to turn on the microphone camera right around noon or so on Fridays. On my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB, that's where you can find the chat. If you've got questions that you want to ask, that's the place to do it. I'd say that I'm more responsive on Facebook than I am on Twitter. I just don't like Twitter. But anyway, that's that's how most people interact with the show. That's how most people get their name on the podcast. And uh, we'd love it if you'd come hang out with us um, Friday afternoons. So this is Memorial Day weekend edition might be lighter on questions and attendance, but that doesn't mean we'll skimp on the juicy gossip or any of the news and rumors around the Twins. Uh, so let's get started with some stories, and the Red Sox cut Hanley Ramirez. I'm sure that we're going to talk about that. I've already seen a couple questions on that. Um, talk a little bit of Royce Lewis, perhaps, and Miguel Sano's back. So obviously we got to talk about that. Uh, let's just get right into the stories. And I'm going to jump in to the Facebook questions to start, just so that I'm not ignoring that. And then I'll just run through some of the news that we got to get to. Um, blah, 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 blah. So I see questions from Cornelius, Ken, Mike, and Joe. If, you, if anyone else has other questions, drop them in, but I'll, I'll answer one here, and then we'll get to the news, and then I'll get back to the rest of the questions, I promise. Joe says, I'm curious with Castro being out at catcher, the Marlins are rumored to be shopping Real Muto. JT, their young, good-hitting backstop. Joe asks, any chance we make that trade? I'd say the same thing I'd say every time anyone asks me a percentage chance question, which is non-zero. Non-zero chance that the Twins would be interested in that. I think that the Twins should be interested in that. I think if you think you're a playoff team and you have a well-stocked cabinet of prospects, that it makes all the sense in the world to at least explore what the Marlins are looking for. What I'm constantly reminded of, though, in baseball and baseball coverage is there's another team involved in this, too. We can't just talk about the Twins. We can't just say, should they be interested? Because I think the answer is yes. I think that they should be. But the question then turns to price tag, and what's it going to cost you? I think it's pretty safe to say that would cost a pretty penny. Um, that if you're the Marlins, look, here's what I told people all offseason, Joe. And, uh, you know, we got this question a fair amount. Hey, Jason Castro's not that good of a hitter. JT Realmuto is. Should the Twins trade? And I... I said the fact that he's not been traded says a lot to me. I think that explains where the Marlins are at with him and, frankly, what they've been asking for him. I don't know this for sure. You know, It's, it's not like uh, the Marlins president is telling me we're asking for the moon and the stars, but I'm just reading the tea leaves that says you traded Christian Yelich, you traded Marcelo Zuna, you traded anything that wasn't nailed down, you're willing to trade more pitching, and yet you've still got this young, cost-controlled catcher who's a borderline all-star behind the plate that you didn't move, despite the fact that there are a lot of teams that could use a good catcher. Hmm. So, like I said, I'm kind of just amateur sleuthing here. I think that the Marlins are asking for a ton for Real Muto. Uh, that doesn't mean the Twins shouldn't be interested. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't, you know keep on the line if the Marlins say, hey, what do you think about that Nick Gordon guy? I hear his name floated in trade rumors a lot. Look, we've heard Nick Gordon's name mentioned all the time for it seems like 10 years now. It hasn't been that long, but it just seems like that long. And I think at some point, you've got to figure out, is he a part of your major league future? So this is a super long-winded way of answering your question, Joe. But yes, they should be interested, there's like 10 other questions you have to answer in order to get to, should you pull the trigger on a trade? 
And I, I don't know that it starts with Nick Gordon. I don't know that Nick Gordon gets it done. I don't even know that I'd be willing to trade Nick Gordon for two and a half years of a catcher who I don't know anything about defensively. I don't watch Marlins games. I make it a habit to not watch Marlins games. I looked for a scouting report on Real Muto, and I, I haven't been able to unearth a whole lot. Um, so I'm super curious to see what he's like with the glove. But if you're just like upgrading at hitter from Mitch Garver, I'm not sure it's worth paying a bounty in prospects. So anyway, good question. It's something that's been on my mind kind of all week, ever since I wrote that the Twins should definitely trade for a catcher in the wake of Jason Castro's injury. But I don't have a great answer for you. I, I think sometimes the best answer is I don't know. Let me get to some news, and then I've got some more questions, and I'm definitely going to need some coffee um, dragging through this podcast. Usually Phil brings the energy, and I'm kind of just there to like bounce ideas off of. Okay, here's a, here's a story that we can talk about if you guys want to. Actually, I'm opening all twin stories here recently. All right, reverse order, guys. Some stories that you can check out on the website. I just bookmark our Twins page. I think you should do the same. If you, I don't know, if you are crazy enough to come hang out and talk about the Twins on a Friday afternoon when it's beautiful outside of a holiday weekend, I think you just might be crazy enough to enjoy following our Twins page. It's just 1500ESPN.com slash twins. You can find it there. I bookmark that and... Really, it's not just me writing. I see Judd's got a couple of stories. Obviously, um, Jake DePew covers the minor leagues for us. That's where we'll start. Jake's got a story up on Aaron Sleggers, who is dominating in AAA. And take it for what it's worth, because the International League is the International League. But uh, Aaron Sleggers is one of those names that I keep hearing people asking about, hey, when's Sleggers going to be back up? When does he make the Twins rotation? My truthful answer is, I don't know. But Jake has a story on that. You can go check that out. I've also wrote, just quickly, last night, Fangraphs published its top 30 Twins prospects. So if you're a prospects guy or gal, you should go check that out. They've got brief scouting reports on all 30 players, including estimated time of arrival to the big leagues. So if you want to know when Akil Badu will likely be making his Major League debut, um, you know what, check out that piece. Uh, Joe Christensen wrote about Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov for the Star Tribune today. Um, I don't know if that's in the paper. I saw it online today, so you can check that out if you want to. Let's see here. What other twin stories? Um, I wrote about the twins infield, how they're so short-staffed this week, how long before they get their full complement back. That's obviously a loaded question because you'd have to know when is Joe Maurer going to be back from his concussion symptoms, question mark. Um, Miguel Sano is back. I expect him in the lineup tonight in Seattle. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday, obviously. Brian Dozier's been there. Jorge Polanco suspended. I circled Friday, July 6th for his possible return date. That'd be 80 games for the Twins. But you never know. More weather cancellations could push that date back, so we'll see. Um, Jason Castro obviously done for the season, so they won't get their full complement back this year. But, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that the projected spring infield, right, when we were talking about this in February, three months ago, uh, maybe three and a half months ago, they might never play together again because Jason Castro's done for the season and Joe Maurer and Brian Dozier are free agents at the end of the season. Nature of the beast, that's uh, the business, but uh, that would be kind of too bad for the Twins if you kind of penciled in this infield, feeling pretty good about it, or at least the trajectory of where it was headed with Sano and Polanco. Well, possibly nevermore. Um, Miguel Sano is back, by the way. He's been activated from the disabled list. I'm curious how the Twins will use him. We could talk about this today if you guys want to. I do see some Sano questions in the chat. But I basically wrote a five-paragraph story, just really, really short, on the news of Sano being back, and I threw out three possibilities. You can either keep Escobar at third, third base and play Sano at first or DH. 
depending on what you think of Logan Morrison and matchups and Sano's health and all that stuff, that's two options. But third, and I think maybe the best option, keep Morrison at first base till Maurer gets back. Sano goes to third base, pushes Escobar to shortstop. That supplants A. Ray Adrianza and Gregorio Petit, and it keeps the DH spot open for a guy like Robbie Grossman. This team right now needs to score runs, frankly, and if Sano's healthy enough to be activated and to play third base in the minor leagues, I haven't seen him yet play defense, but the expectation for me anyways would be, you know, go ahead and play nine innings at third base a couple days in a row. Um, That keeps his bat in the lineup. It strengthens the lineup overall. You're basically deciding between, you know, Robbie Grossman's bat and Adrianza's glove at shortstop. I don't know. I think that's... uh, Open for debate, for sure. If you'd rather use Sano at DH, um, keep Escobar at third, keep Adrianza at short, just bat him ninth. Fine, I'm not going to fight you. I think that'd be fine. Those are the options, though, and that's my Miguel Sano story. Uh, The Twins DFA'd Phil Hughes. Still on the hook for a lot of money. We'll see how that plays out, if they trade him, if they release him. Somebody claims him on waivers, whatever. That will be resolved at some point here in the next couple days. Uh, this was, this was a fun one. Mackie and Judd ranked their top 10 battle your tail off twins. And this was cause garden hire was in town. Obviously I'll just give you the lists real quick and then maybe we can circle back on this Mackie's list in reverse order. Mike Pelfrey, Mike Redmond and Drew Butera, Alexi Casilla, Danny Santana, Matt Tolbert, Luis Rodriguez, Jamie Carroll, Nick Punto, Cleet Thomas, and Bobby Keppel. Gets the number one spot on Phil Mackey's list. Judd's list is probably a little more in line with what I was thinking. Number 10, Dustin Moore, Matt Lecroy, Jason Tyner, Nick Blackburn, and Brian Dunsing, Sammy DeDuno, Lou Ford, Jamie Carroll, Drew Butera, Mike Redmond, and number one, Nick Punto. I think uh, that's number one with a bullet. All right, the last one, I won't go too deep into this because he is part of our stat of the week at the end of the show. By the way, we're also playing the Media Guide game today. So here's the show. Stories, questions, Media Guide game, and stat of the week. The Twins traded for former NL home run leader Chris Carter this week who hit 41 home runs a couple years ago. What are we making of that? Uh, That's a story on 1500ESPN.com right now. So there's some reckless speculation in that piece if you're into that. That's it for stories this week. I want to get into your questions because I see them flooding in here. Benjamin, Joseph, Tony, Mike, Cornelius again, Devlin. Devlin, what's up, man? Thanks for joining the chat. Leland is back. Eric, and on and on and on. We've got a bunch to get to. This is awesome, guys. Uh, If you're hanging out here, thank you for coming. I see a handful of you and a bunch of questions. Push the like button or the share button if you're so inclined to do that sort of thing. Um, Holiday weekend, so the more questions, the better. That way I can go more rapid fire, and I don't have to worry about mindlessly rambling for an hour about a single topic, which, you know, I've been guilty of doing that in the past. Also, see a question coming in from Twitter. If we have extra time, I'll get to that. But really, guys, I like to prioritize the Facebook questions um, just for the simple fact that I'm selfish. My Facebook feed has been so much nicer than my Twitter feed over the last, like, 6, 12 months. This is not a recent thing. If you're on my Facebook page and you disagree with me, it's always respectful. It's, hey, I see what you're saying, but you're wrong or whatever. And then fine. We'll talk about that. I'm not, look, I'm not above being criticized or disagreed with, but on Twitter, it's just, it can be a cesspool. So, uh, for that reason, I'm trying to prioritize the Facebook page. I, I really like the thoughtful discussion that happens on the Facebook page. Thoughtful and Twitter have never been used in the same sentence since its inception. So let's get to the Facebook questions and we'll just go in chronological order from when they were received. Uh, let's see here. Cornelius asks, with the first question, just how good do you think Romero is? Fernando Romero, I think he's pretty good. 
I think uh, he's got a non-zero chance to stick in the rotation all season, and that's high praise considering the guys who are coming back. Trevor Mays on his way back. Um, who else? Irvin Santana, I get asked about a lot. Maybe we'll see him at some point here in the next couple weeks. He's still probably a few starts away from rejoining the rotation, but positive signs on that. Um, anyway, how good is Romero? I think he's good enough to possibly stick. I think when he has the fastball command, he's a much better pitcher, obviously, because he has a swing and miss slider. I like a fastball when he's throwing strikes, especially when it's got movement. It seems to me just from following the games on, on the game feed when I'm watching him, that his two-seamer actually has more velocity than the four-seamer. And generally that's, I mean, that's not always the case. And so that's going to be interesting to follow. I, I've said in the past, and I've gotten heat for this take, but Jose Barreos is a really interesting pitcher because the four-seam fastball gets good marks because it's mid-90s. And then he obviously has that breaking ball that just does the whoosh across the whole plate and when it's on it makes hitters look stupid to me an underused pitch for him is that two seam fastball he actually used it a lot more in his latest start he was getting swing and miss it was up in the zone it was down in the zone he was running it inside to right handers i really like the two seam fastball for Boreos, and we haven't seen it a whole ton now i'm curious too not saying they're the same pitcher they're not even necessarily the same kind of pitcher because Boreos is more of a fastball curveball changeup. But Fernando Romero, how much is he going to use the changeup and how much is he going to use the two seamer? Um, I should say, Cornelius, the best way I can answer your question is like to be determined because he's still young. He's still a rookie. He still doesn't have a ton of innings in the high minors. So there's only so much we can really say about him definitively. But early returns have been really positive for him. Hi, Zach. Uh, what else do we got? Ken's got a question. Uh, yep, here it is. The Hanley Ramirez question. Hi, Derek. Twins interest in Ramirez. So I don't know because I haven't checked in with the twins. I saw the news on Twitter and then I turned on my Facebook video here to go live with you guys and hang out. But I would sense that it doesn't make sense. I, I, I just don't know that it's a great fit. Um, for Hanley Ramirez, let me, here's going to be our official Hanley Ramirez discussion. So I'll close the window here. Here's the situation. Hanley Ramirez was on a four year, $88 million contract with the Red Sox. And today they needed room for Dustin Pedroia. And the reports are that they've, uh, I think it was a DFA for Ramirez, um, to clear room on the roster for Pedroia. And that makes perfect sense. Some people thought that might be Blake Swiart, who was out in the cold after that. But the fact that instead they're cutting Hanley, that shows you what they think of Swiart and makes me wonder, all right, Twins probably not going to get a chance to trade for that guy if they're looking for catching depth. But on Ramirez, why was he cut? He was hitting okay, right? Uh, I don't have the overall numbers in front of me. I have the splits, which we'll get to in a second. But he had something like a 90-weighted runs created plus, which is below league average and for sure below league average for a first baseman. But I mean, not just not like dreadful. Um, let me just go back to his page so I can give you his whole batting line. All right. According to fan graphs, Hanley Ramirez was hitting 254 with a 313 on base and 395 slugging. As I said, a 90-weighted runs created plus, which is below league average and for sure below for a first baseman. He had six home runs in 195 plate appearances. So, Hanley Ramirez, what you can say about him this year is that he's not a good hitter. And that's what you can say. I mean, he's a first baseman who's not a good hitter. So, if you're the Red Sox, and let's get to the reason why they cut him, they are paying him $22 million this year. And there is a vesting option for next year, which is also worth $22 million, which uh, it became guaranteed. Let's see what he had to do. He had to have 1,050 plate appearances between last year and this year, and he had to pass a club physical after the season. 
So if you're the Red Sox, you probably don't want that option to vest. And I think I read that he was like 200 plate appearances away from that. So that's not the Twins' problem. Uh, If they're picking up this contract, I don't know if there's like, it looks like there's a no trade protection on a limited basis, according to baseball prospectus. But I don't know. If the Twins aren't assuming that contract, then the playing time is no big deal. I had somebody email me and ask if it makes sense to platoon him with Logan Morrison at first base, and that's why I was pulling up his splits page, so I'll go through that with you guys. My quick take is no. Like, Logan Morrison's a good hitter. What do you need to platoon him for? And I haven't watched a lot of Red Sox games this year, certainly not as many as I'd like to. Actually, I think the only Red Sox game I've watched this year, non-twins, is the Shoei Otani game, where they lit up Otani, and he had a leave with um with blisters okay splits so remember logan morrison's a great hitter against righties so you'd be acquiring Hanley ramirez for his potency against left-handed hitters and he's got 45 plate appearances against lefties this year so take this for what it's worth we'll go to his 2017 page in a second but against lefties Hanley ramirez is hitting 333 all right, pretty good with a 378 on base, 476 slugging. You'll definitely take that. That is good news. Let's see what is 2017, just to make sure that's not an anomaly. 2017, so we're talking late career Hanley Ramirez, not the guy that you grew up to know as a shortstop in that one Florida organization. Last year against lefties, Hanley Ramirez was terrible. 179, 293 with a 387 slugging. That's horrible. You would never use that. And against righties, he was about league average. Let's go one more year, 2016. 2016, he was great against lefties. So I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what to make of the weird split last year or the early returns on a small sample size this year. But I do know that I don't really like the idea of a person making a 25-man roster just based on his ability to be the left-handed hit or the the right-handed hitter of a platoon at first base when you already have like four first basemen on the roster. So to me, it's a non-starter. It doesn't make sense. I wouldn't add Hanley Ramirez, and that was if he was like a net neutral in the clubhouse. I know nothing about Hanley Ramirez, having never covered him, but I can't imagine that uh, with the stuff that you you know read about and hear about that he's just some amazing clubhouse chemist. You know, this isn't Jason Bartlett reincarnate that the Twins would bring him in just for his presence. This is a an expensive former star um, who I just don't know that he adds a lot of value to a roster if the Red Sox. Granted, one of the best teams in baseball, but the Red Sox just said, eh, we got this Pedroia guy coming back, and we've got a third catcher that we don't use, but we need to protect the third catcher on the roster before we protect this guy. See you later. I just, maybe I'm reading too much into that, and maybe it was seriously all about saving the $22 million vesting option for next year if you're Boston, but I just look at the the whole picture and see, ah, uh, I don't know. If So if you're asking me, Hanley Ramirez for the Twins, does it make sense? Ken, I think my long-winded answer summarized would just be, eh, I'll pass. Mike asks, will Sano ever get his head on straight? I don't know. I'm done venturing a guess on that. I do know if you were in the stock market of baseball players buying and selling, Now would probably be as good a time as any to purchase stock in Miguel Sano. I mean, he just experienced a Great Depression-level market crash, so I don't know. I've been in his corner in the past, and I'm not in his corner. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm an analyst who covers the team and just tries to call it like I see it. I feel like people have been way too down on Miguel Sano in the past, but now the last, whatever, 6, 12 months, even if you want to call it that, it's just harder and harder to defend. Um, obviously, some of it's injury-related, so write him a pass for that. 
But uh, a couple years ago, Mike, I'll tell you a quick story, and then I'll move on. A couple years ago, I was in – actually, I was in a hotel room in Fort Myers, Florida. I was covering spring training for 1500 ESPN, and I – I think I was leaving the next day or something like that, and I'm just kind of worn out from covering spring training, and I'm on the phone with Mackie and Judd for their show. And Judd asked me, we got in basically into a fight because Judd brought the comparison like Bryant McKinney to the table, which was, I think his point was, talented player who didn't really love his sport and was just bigger than everybody else in athletic, and so he played it to make money and just never really kept control of his weight and had this, like, superstar capability and never quite hit his ceiling, I think you'd say. And I was like, no, Judd, you're wrong. This kid's young. He's never had to take this stuff seriously before. All he'd have to do is hire a full-time nutritionist to take care of his body, and he's got superstar potential. This kid could be Miguel Cabrera. Don't sleep on him. And two years later, I think it was two years later, maybe maybe it was two years. I, I, I don't remember which spring training, whether it was uh, 15 or 16, but I got to hand it to my colleague, Judd Zolgad. It looks right now like he's the one that was in the right, that I was saying all he has to do is take it seriously and blast off. And Judd said, not everybody takes it seriously, so watch his stock crash. And right now, Mike... It looks like I'm eating crow on that argument that, that Judd might have been right, actually, which is, uh, you know, there's a first time for everything. Uh, Joe asked a question about Castro and Real Muto, um, which we talked about earlier. Robert wants to know if there are any updates on Maurer, indications that his return is imminent or a ways out. Um, I don't have any indications... I haven't talked to anybody with the club today. Like I said, I just turned on the the microphone and the Facebook page um, on my cell phone. But there's no indication that it's imminent because they just signed a minor league or they traded for a minor league first baseman. Um, Logan Morrison's holding down the fort at first base and Miguel Sano is activated and, and he could play some first base. But I will say that if you diagnosed him with a concussion and you thought that he was going to be back pretty much right away, like as soon as he was able, wouldn't you put him on the seven-day concussion disabled list? And I don't know if there are rules prohibiting that if it's like not technically diagnosed as a concussion, but if you call it concussion-like symptoms, can you not put him on the seven-day concussion DL? In any case, the Twins didn't. They put him on the 10-day DL. Um, So I don't have any more insider info for you on that, Robert. I would just say that uh, you get nervous. Anytime you see a guy whose career has been so materially affected by a concussion, go on the DL with what the team is terming concussion symptoms. That's a big deal. It's a big deal for a guy who's 35 years old. Um, you know, you obviously you don't have to look any further than the Twins organization to say Justin Morneau, Corey Koski, Denard Spann to a lesser extent. Like concussions, concussions really change things. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where Joe Maurer is at with that. So it's recklessly, it's reckless speculation for me to even say when he'll be back or what I think will happen here. But anytime you see a 35-year-old with a history, uh, you know, concussion on his medical report, have to leave the game and leave the team and stay at home with what the team is calling concussion symptoms, that's bad news. Cornelia says, cheers, we need a Real Muto. All right, you get a like for that. Hey, Jeffrey O'Brien in the chat. What's up, Jeffrey? Thanks for hanging out. Eric wants to know, as of now, Twins finish above or below 500? I think above. I'm going to say above 500. Um, I know I've been down on this team's chances to make the postseason and obviously get some heat for that. That's fine. I can take it. I still think Cleveland's a better team. Twins are a game and a half out as of this recording. But I still think this is a good Twins baseball team. I think Logan Morrison's a good player. I think Brian Dozier's a good player. I think Jorge Polanco will be back. I think Miguel Sano has a big question mark hanging over his head. But Eduardo Escobar has been great for the Twins. The guys in the corners have been awesome. Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario are having great seasons. Byron Buxton showing signs of starting to figure it out at the end of the last homestand. And if he figures it out offensively, game changer for the Twins. 
pitching staff's been up and down, but you could see the arrow pointing up. Irvin Santana could be back soon. Trevor May could be added soon. Fernando Romero, we talked about, is promising. J.O. Barreos had a couple of clunkers in a row. I think it was three or four starts where it was, like, not good news, and the curveball wasn't missing bats. And then his last two starts have been really good, and you're like, oh, Barreos is back. I guess that was just a blip. So that's good news for the Twins. Um, the bullpen's been fine. I like Addison Reed. Uh, Fernando Rodney, I think he's still on a 10-scoreless outing streak. I'd, I'd have to go back and check. But anyways, as of the middle of the week, he was uh, he was cruising. Um, who else? Who are we missing? I, I guess my point is just this, that this is a good baseball team full of good baseball players. They have an easy schedule relative to the rest of the league. I do think that they dug themselves a pretty deep hole, that it's not just like snap your fingers and you're out of it and you're back in wildcard contention. But in terms of can they win 82 games, I would say, yeah, I think that they can, I think that they can finish above 500. Um, and then the question is just how much above 500? If it's a lot, you're talking playoffs. If it's not a lot, I think there are some better teams. All right, looks like we might have a non-baseball. Nope, it's baseball. Leland. Leland says, since you called me out on Twitter about my overrated food take earlier this week, what's your most overrated food? All right, some background. Leland had a, an absurd food take on Twitter over the week, and I don't remember the whole list, but he had a top five overrated foods and guacamole finished first. And I don't even think I need to dignify that with a response. Um, putting guacamole as the most overrated food in the world is is grounds for disqualification for future food takes. So my most overrated food... Uh, Okay, I'm going to say it, and this is unpopular. It's holiday weekend, so maybe some of you are, uh, I don't know, firing up the deep fryer or something like that. I think fried food is super overrated. There, I said it. Leland also has a Twins question, so hang on to your pitchforks for a quick second. Um, He says, I suppose I should ask a Twins question as well. Have you heard about why Garver is basically splitting time with Bobby Wilson? Do the Twins have concerns about Garver's defense? Because he is so much better offensively than Wilson. Leland nailed it. Pinning this comment because you're right. Twins had an off day after they got the bad news about Jason Castro being done for the season. And then off day followed by night game, night game, day game. And Bobby Wilson caught both of the night games. So two games in a row out of a day off tells you that's your starting catcher, and Paul Molitor has basically split time. I will say it's not 100% clear if the front office agrees with Paul Molitor that the playing time should be split 50-50, but Paul Molitor has the pen. He gets to write out the lineup card, and so far, you're right. It's been a fairly even distribution. I think what that says to me is very clear, that we all think Mitch Garver is a better hitter, and I'm not sure there's room for debate. Um, what that says to me then is that they vastly value, um, vastly is not the right word there, that they, you know, they substantially value what Bobby Wilson brings on the other side of the game. And I'm not just talking about blocking pitches in the dirt or throwing out runners. I'm talking about game calling, guiding your pitcher through an outing, knowing the bullpen, knowing the pitches, knowing the weaknesses of opposing hitters, attacking them, game planning, leadership, all of this stuff they clearly must like Bobby Wilson at that stuff better than Mitch Garver if the playing time's kind of 50-50, and this was supposed to be Mitch Garver's chance to show that he's the guy. So I don't know that for sure, Leland. I'm not here to say this is what Paul Molitor thinks, this is what the front office thinks. I'm just here to say if you're splitting playing time with him, you must really like Bobby Wilson over Mitch Garver defensively because I think Mitch Garver is better than Bobby Wilson. I think he's better than Jason Castro offensively. So take that for what it's worth. Um, and Leland did drop his foods in here. I'll just give it to you guys for for 
posterity, I guess, because this is the last food take that Leland will ever get. Number one, overrated food, guac, two, bacon, three, lobster, four, nachos, five, cheesecake. Take that for what it's worth and never listen to his food takes again, uh, Leland. Boy, I just don't know. All right, I need some coffee, and then Devlin's got a twins question to get us off this food talker. Um, okay, Devlin says, right now, Twins MVPs are Rosario and Odorizzi. What do the Twins do when May and Irv return? Is Lynn the long man, Lance Lynn? Well, Lance Lynn picked a good time to have his best start of the season, I'll tell you that. And what do they do when May and Irvin return? I still think, Devlin, it's too early because it's possible... You know, there there are a dozen possibilities. One would be like, um, Trevor May is a reliever. I don't want to see that. I want to see him in the starting rotation. But another would be somebody gets hurt. Obviously, you don't want to see that. Lance Lynn to the bullpen, maybe, if he can control the walks. If he can't control the walks, you don't want him in the bullpen. But if he pitches like he did the other day, you want him in the starting rotation. So... See how that plays out over maybe the next two starts, and then Trevor May's ready to plug back in there. Although, I will say, Trevor May's scheduled to be activated. I wrote this spring, I said, I think it's June 1st. Um, that still looks like it's on track. Should be noted, Trevor May's from the Seattle area. He's from Kelso, Washington, and the Twins obviously are in Seattle this weekend. I don't know that that plays into their plans. And it's also worth noting that I think... The 60-day disabled list requires that Trevor May stays on the DL until May 28th, and by May 28th, the Twins will be in Kansas City, so the Seattle connection means nothing um, other than sentiment, which is great. We all love sentiment. But Twins are Kansas City Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. May would technically be eligible to be activated on Monday. Um then uh, they're home for a series with the Indians starting on May 31st, and uh, that's a long homestand. June 1st would be a Friday against the Indians. I don't know what's going to happen, Devlin. I would just say that I think May is back first. I think Irvin is back second, and I think in that time, it could sort itself out whether somebody has to go to the bullpen. Maybe that's even Fernando Romero. Maybe he's not. Uh, maybe he doesn't sustain what we've seen from him so far. If he does, you want him in the rotation. If he doesn't, maybe you just want that strikeout fastball slider combination in the bullpen, or somebody's got to go to Rochester, or any number of things. So, I agree with you, Devlin. It's about to start to be a logjam, but uh, I don't know that you can make that decision today. Exactly what happens. So, thanks for the question, my friend. Um, Trevor's here. We always appreciate Trevor. I'm sure he's got a game six take on Rockets Warriors. Trevor, who's going to win? No Chris Paul. Could be tough. Cornelius back on the Real Muto front says, Real Muto would be an arm and a leg with that madman at the helm. No comment. Not going to say anything about a guy who spells his first name correctly. Uh... Say whatever you want about Derek Jeter. You can't argue with the name, the way uh, his parents chose to spell his first name. Mike Gregory says, should the Twins get Ramirez and should the Twins put Sano as the full-time DH and have Maurer and Logan rotate at first and put Ramirez at third? No, Hanley Ramirez should not play third base. I don't even think he's a good first baseman. I would steer clear of Ramirez. We talked about that earlier on the show, so I'll say no more. I got no problem with Sano at the full-time DH if you don't think he can hold up at third base. And uh, let's let's uh, address the Maurer thing when he is ready to return. Because right now, I don't know when he'll be back, and so Logan Morrison's just your first baseman. Uh, Sano could play some first base, too. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Miguel Sano plays a little bit of third base. Uh, sorry, first base. I expect he'll play third base. I expect he'll get DH days. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays some first base. So take that for what it's worth. One man's opinion. Tony says, uh, Buxton's offensive struggle, does he deserve the hate? To me, he's struggling too much. Tony, good question. Uh, hate, no. 
He doesn't deserve hate. Nobody should be hated on. But the contact issues are a real worry. He does seem to go up to the plate saying, okay, I'm swinging at this pitch. It's like you can't do that in the big leagues. They're too good. If they know you're going to swing at the first pitch, you're not getting a strike. If you swing at a ball for strike one, boy, it's really, really difficult to come back in the count against major league pitchers if you already have contact problems. I think Buxton's problems are going to be exaggerated from a typical hitter who goes into a little funk that says not seeing it real well or my approach at the plate just feels a little bit off right now. If you're a good contact hitter, like I'll even put, this is a hot take, I'll even put Eddie Rosario in that mix. If Eddie Rosario is struggling with pitch recognition and sort of his plan at the plate, I think his hands, his bat-to-ball skills are better than Buxton's, and he's the kind of hitter who can swing at a fastball at his eyes and go do something with it. Whereas Buxton, if he's having those same recognition and contact problems, that fastball at his eyes, or more more likely the slider that ends up in the left-handed batter's box, that's a real problem for Buxton. So keep that in mind that... His problems are going to sort of be exaggerated, I think. Um, With that said, yeah, he's left a lot to be desired offensively. It's been a a bad funk. Buxton, ever since he got back, the Twins do deserve some blame for this, some criticism for rushing him back into the lineup without the benefit of a rehab assignment. They basically said, don't care how much you hit. Don't care that your timing's off at the plate. Hopefully you get it back on the fly, but we need your glove and arm in center field. So he deserves some credit for how well he's playing in the outfield, even with a broken toe, that the Twins would say that. I mean, they didn't say that, but you know what I mean, that they tacitly said that by just plunking him right back into the lineup. So he deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for creating havoc and runs and wins on the bases, but you need to see more offensively. I talked to Buxton after the last homestand, and he feels like he's getting into a better spot in terms of Uh, where he's at at the plate, but you need to see more. Um, Early signs over the last couple games of the homestand were positive. Let's see how he looks this weekend in Seattle before we really make um, too much of a judgment there. So, Tony, and then, Joseph, your question was similar. Bucks and swing looking too long. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons he's going to have those contact issues. He's not – he just doesn't have the same, like – I'll call it hand speed as Eddie Rosario. I don't have the physics to back that up. I don't have the numbers. I don't have a stat. I'm just saying you watch him, and you can tell that he'll have a harder time making contact with a breaking ball on a two-strike pitch than Joe Maurer. That's not even a hot take. All right, let's see. Benjamin wants to know, who's your favorite Chris Carter, the retired Vikings receiver, the X-Files creator, or the Rochester Red Wings first baseman? I'd say the Red Wings first baseman because he plays baseball. Um, Don't really know anything about the Vikings, Chris Carter. I never covered him. You don't hear great stories about him in terms of how he treated the media. And I think, look, We're spoiled as sports media members. We think everybody needs to be our friend, and if guys don't treat us well or gals don't treat us well, it's like a character flaw. And I don't think that's true at all. I think we're oversensitive in the media, but I do think that if you're at least like friendly with people that you work with on a daily basis, it's a leading indicator for how great of a person you are. So take that for whatever it's worth, which is nothing, X-Files I never watched. My mom was a big fan, but not my thing. So by process of elimination and by the fact that he's a first baseman uh, playing baseball and that he is the featured uh, he's the featured person in this week's Stat of the Week segment, that's why the Red Wings first baseman is my favorite, Chris Carter. But that's a good question. I like that kind of question. Uh John JP says, thumbs up emoji. Awesome. Thank you. We'll take it. Tony says, uh, sorry to hear that. You're very thoughtful and have good ideas. I assume, Tony, you're talking about the Twitter hate. I'm mostly just kidding, but Twitter compared with Facebook, compared with real life, does suck. Another Tony says, how many starts do you think Trevor May will end the season with? Putting on my best Johnny Carson hat. Um, reading the envelope, 
I think that he ends the season with 12 starts. I don't know. I have no idea. Literally just guessing. Scott asks me if I'm drinking on the job, and I don't know what he's talking about, but I do have coffee and water. I'm not sure that's what you're talking about. I'm probably missing something from earlier, so forgive me, Scott. But no, I would never do that. How could I ever? Malcolm says, any update on Joe Maurer's bilateral neck weakness? Also, how about Hunter Green's stats so far? Go Royce. Not addressing the Maurer question. Don't think it's a serious question. Uh, Haven't looked into Hunter Green. And Royce Lewis is a stud. There are a couple of pieces on him that I mentioned. Fangraphs just wrote it up. Joe C. at the Star Tribune um, wrote a good Royce Lewis feature for them, so go check that out. Hunter Green, Miners, he's in full season A-ball. Let's see. He's got an 8.44 ERA in 21 and a third innings, 32 strikeouts against 12 walks. So he's striking hitters out, but they're also hitting 350. (laughs) I don't know. That's a goofy stat line. Um, Typically, you don't see that much strikeout dominance with also struggling to put hitters away and a walks and hits per inning pitched above two. Yikes. Does anybody know, is he hitting two? Uh, I just see pitching stats, and it looks like he's just on the mound. I don't know. That's what his minor league baseball page says. Let's double check. Uh, Hunter Green baseball reference. Yeah, it looks like he's just pitching this year because his uh, batting line only counts 2017 stats. So, there you go. Hunter Green is in the Midwest League. If you guys are going to Cedar Rapids, you might get a chance to see that team play. I haven't checked the schedule. I looked like last week to try to see when they were playing and what they would be doing this weekend to maybe make a Memorial Day weekend trip down there, but that's not happening now. Uh, so yeah, Royce Lewis looking like a good draft pick. Uh, let's see before we move on to John, I'll just say Malcolm. Thanks for the question on Hunter Green, Royce Lewis. Go easy on Joe Maurer. Twins Hall of Famer, future, uh, to have number seven retired and hung up in left field there above the limestone. I don't get why people make fun of him for having a concussion. John says, how is Nick Gordon's glove looking this year? He's obviously hitting the cover off the ball. Is the reason for him not getting any major league at-bats his glove? John, I can't tell you. I haven't watched any Chattanooga Lookouts games, and I only tuned in for one Red Wings game. That'd be a better question for our buddy Jake DePew or uh, Seth Stowes, who I know is a weekly visitor of the chat. Podcast listener, thank you, Seth, uh, for sharing our stuff. But I, I don't have a good answer for you, John. I haven't watched Nick Gordon play, so I can't give you a firsthand account. John also chimes in with uh, Ramirez, that being Hanley Ramirez. His war is right around zero. Yep, I don't like war for short sample bursts in the season, and I definitely don't like it for like evaluating a first baseman's defensive contributions. But... You're right. I think technically it's negative when I had his Fangraphs page open earlier. I don't know what it is on baseball reference, but Hanley Ramirez just seems like more trouble than it's worth for a platoon-hitting bench bat first baseman. Dan Schrader says, Happy Sano return day, D. Um, by season's end, what will be higher, his weight or his batting average? Yikes. People just begging me to take cheap shots. Um, what are his stats right now, Dan? I'll, I'll humor this with a response. I don't like taking cheap shots at guys for being chubby, but at the same time, you're a professional athlete. He's hitting 213 in 90 plate appearances, and his career batting average is 252. 
If his season ended today, this would be the worst offensive year of his career. Highest strikeout rate, uh, lowest walk rate. Um, balls in play, he's not getting as much fortune, but I also think that's probably because he's not hitting it as hard. Um, that's speculation. I don't have stat cast open in front of me. But just from watching him play, this isn't the fearsome Miguel Sano that we're used to seeing. And with all that being said, he's still got a 317 weighted on base average and uh, 97 weighted runs created plus. Basically a league average hitter. Obviously you want a little bit better out of that from your middle of the order slugger third baseman, but we can crap on Sano all we want for the 20 games he's played so far. He's still more valuable than... Uh, any number of hitters you could mention in uh, Major League Baseball and probably even on the Twins. You want me to pull up the Twins quick? Because, Dan, my quick answer is he'll probably weigh more than his batting average. Um, let's pull up the Twins leaderboard. Keeping in mind that Miguel Sano has a 97 weighted runs created plus this season, I think that's probably only going up. I'm pulling up the Twins leaderboards on Fangraphs. Let's take off the minimum qualifier. So anyone with 10 plate appearances or more. How many guys have a worse weighted runs created plus than Miguel Sano? Well, the Twins leader right now is Gregorio Petit. Okay, that's a small sample size. Eddie Rosario is the real leader at 126 with Eduardo Escobar and Joe Maurer and Max Kepler following closely behind. Here are Twins hitters with a worse weighted runs created plus than Miguel Sano in at least 10 plate appearances. So we got rid of the pitchers. Brian Dozier has a worse weighted runs created plus. Logan Morrison has a worse weighted runs created plus. Mitch Garver has a worse weighted runs created plus. My guy Robbie Grossman has a worse weighted runs created plus. A-Ray Adrianza, Bobby Wilson, Jason Castro, and Byron Buxton, no surprise, bringing up the rear of the Twins with a 12 Weighted runs created plus. That's a catch-all offensive stat, and that's bad news for Byron Buxton and the Twins. But with that being said, adding Miguel Sano back to this lineup is a positive. I'm curious to see where they'll use him. But, uh, yeah, that's my unpacked Miguel Sano takes. All right, Joseph's got a question on J.R. Murphy. John Ryan Murphy is crushing it in Arizona, and uh, he hit well for the Yankees. Why didn't the Twins give him more of a run, basically? Uh, I know it's early and small sample, um, but it seems they should have given him more of a chance. Yeah, I think he just got buried. I mean, it was a couple years of not hitting and not hitting in the International League, and all the leadership in the world can't really make up for never getting on base. Um yeah, I don't have a better answer for you than that. Uh, I should do some digging because it definitely looks like they could use a catcher now. And John Ryan Murphy looks legit. I mean, what did he have? I saw the leaderboard the other day. Paul Goldschmidt homered. And I know he's off to a tough start. But Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run in a game to eke ahead of John Ryan Murphy with five home runs on the season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Murphy had four at the time. I, I don't have the stats in front of me right now. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know, Joseph, it's a good question. I wish I had a better answer for you. We're getting close to the end of the show here. I just looked down at the podcast equipment. It looks like we've been recording for more than 50 minutes, which is insanity. Nobody should want to listen to me talk about the Twins for that long all by myself. But here we are, and here you are, so thanks for hanging out. If you're catching this on the podcast, we do a Facebook show every Friday. I don't like promoting it, but... Friday afternoons on my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB. If you want to get your questions on the podcast, it seems like this is kind of becoming a weekly thing. So there you have it. Uh, we'll go some rapid fire questions, quick media guide game. And uh, then I got to get to the stat of the week before we get out of here. We'll see how quickly we can do this. Jeff wants to know what's the over under on the number of games before Sano goes back on the DL. I don't know. I don't set prop bet lines on sports. Robert says, take an early, early, early stab at the 2019 rotation. Oh, my head hurts. It's probably because I haven't had any lunch. But Jose Barreos, Fernando Romero, Jaco Derizzi, um, 
Trevor May, and Michael Pineda. There you go. Eric, will Buxton ever live up to the five-tool expectations given to him when he was drafted? Yes, he will. He was great last uh, last two and a half months of last season. He was a legit superstar, so that guy's in there. Jason says, should Sanoa stay on a rehab assignment longer to work on cutting down on the strikeouts and to get in better shape? No, he should be in the middle of the Twins lineup. He needs to get in better shape. It's tough to lose weight during the season for a fat guy, I know, but he should uh, take that side of things more seriously. And the cutting down on strikeouts, I don't know how he would improve that in the International League. I think he has to face Major League pitching. And to a certain extent, like he's got to figure it out in the majors as one of the best hitters that the Twins have in their organization. And they need to score more runs. A little bit of a catch-22, but no, I would not have left him in Rochester. I would have called him up ASAP, um, but I understand the need to want to get you know five games or so down there. Um, Dan says, uh, all of a sudden this has become the Friday Leland talk show, and Leland, I agree with guac and lobster being overrated foods. Dan, you've just voided your opinion on food takes. I don't like it. Actually, I'm not a huge lobster guy, I'll admit, but like guacamole? Come on, you guys. Uh, Trevor, thanks for hanging out. Chris, thanks for hanging out. Um, I asked Trevor about the Warriors Rockets earlier. He says, I think the GSW should win, but I thought that the last five games. So we'll see. Houston in six or Houston in seven? Brian says, planning a visit to Cedar Rapids. How long do you think Royce and Alex Kirloff will be there? Brian, get there before the All-Star game. I would not be surprised to see the Twins let those two guys play in the Midwest League All-Star game in June, and then Royce, at least, on the way up. Just a guess. I don't have that on good authority. I'm just saying it would make some sense. Justin, what are your thoughts on Sano? Is he still part of the future? Yes is my quick answer to that. And the second question is, do you think he is a good player uh, that may not be part of our core? I don't know. I don't know uh, what the Twins think of him going forward, but I think if you're building around uh, Buxton, who goes back to being a superstar, Sano, who gets things back on track, and then the Eddie Rosario and Max Kepler that we've seen, that's a pretty good young core of position players. So obviously there's a lot to happen before those guys reach their, you know, 95th percentile, but that's that's a pretty good start. Seth says he's headed to Cedar Rapids now. Nice. Seth uh, says, join me. We can podcast doubleheaders tomorrow and Sunday. It's going to be fun. Sorry, Seth. I don't have a hall pass for this weekend. I would love to go see some baseball in Cedar Rapids, but uh, maybe some other people from the chat or the podcast can join you. If you guys are there, say hi to Seth. I know he'd be happy to say hello in Cedar Rapids. So if you're listening to the podcast on your way down to Cedar Rapids, there's your official invitation. Have fun, Seth. We'll be watching for your reports this weekend on Twitter.com. Let's see. Tony says the problem with Sano is he's really eating his way out of the league. It's not a cheap shot. It's just sad. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Let's... uh Hope that he gets back on track because there's a real good player in there. How many more starts will Lynn have? Henry wants to know. I don't know because he looked good his last time out. So let's see if that's the real Lance Lynn. Alex says, how likely is it the Twins win the Central? I'll give him a 10% chance. Kevin says, laugh, cry emoji. I don't know what that's in response to, but it could be anything, honestly. Um, Let's play the Media Guide game, get to stat of the week, and then this guy's got to sign off for Memorial Day weekend to go get some lunch. Media Guide game, if you guys weren't here last weekend, I just take the uh, Twins Media Guide that the Public Relations Department was kind enough to supply us with at 1500 ESPN, And I flip to a random page, and I say some words about the person on the page. Last year, or last week, it was Jack Morris and Jim Tomey. Future Hall of Famers, very cool. Uh, I talked to Jack this weekend at the Twins. I still haven't asked him if he wants to be on the podcast. That might be fun someday in the future. I got a lot of notes from you guys saying, do it. You've got to interview Blackjack. It'd be fun. 
I just think it'd be funny because I'm a stats guy. I was doing weighted on base average and weighted runs created plus earlier in this show, uh, talking about Miguel Sano and also JT Realmuto. I think if I asked Jack Morris about his thoughts on Hanley Ramirez's weighted on base average, his head might explode. And uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think he would appreciate that very much. With that being said, as different as we view the game, I have great conversations with Jack at Target Field. Um, he is—he can be grumpy, that's for sure, but he is one of my favorite people to talk about or talk to in the press box. Um, just some good baseball conversations. Uh, so anyway, for whatever that's worth, Jack's not watching this video. He's not listening to this podcast. He doesn't care what I think about him, but I'm just saying— it might be a fun podcast interview if we go old school bulldog Jack Morris talks to twins stats nerd Derek Wetmore on a 1500 ESPN podcast. So, Media Guide game. Flip to a random page. Here is history and records. I don't think that page really gives us a lot to talk about, so let's flip to another page. All right. Here, we've got something to say about Jordan Pacheco. I've heard people pronounce it Jordan Pacheco. Honestly, I don't know which it is. He was in spring training with the Twins. He's a catcher, non-roster invite. I think he's playing in AAA Rochester right now. Um, I've heard Jordan Pacheco more, so I'm going to go with that. And sorry, Jordan, if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, If you guys want to follow Jordan Pacheco on Twitter, it's at J-S-T-Y-L-E-P. There you have it. Um, he's a catcher in the Twins organization. He was born in Albuquerque, and uh, the Twins added him as a minor league free agent this winter. And uh, let's see. He's out of options. What I'll say about Jordan Pacheco as we look up his uh, minor league stat line is that I think that the Twins feel moderately comfortable about their catching depth, but not very comfortable about their catching depth. And that's not specifically about Pacheco. That's not a knock on him. I'm talking about Williams Astadio. I'm talking about the fact that Bobby Wilson is not only on the major league roster, but he's catching every other day. I think that the Twins would be within their rights to add a catcher. Jordan Pacheco's minor league stats this year for the Twins, 2018. That's weird. He's on the roster, but I don't see any stats. Must be on the disabled list. Yep, seven-day DL. What's going on with Jordan Pacheco, guys? Jordan Pacheco injury. Lands on the DL in April. Oh, gosh. Expected he will miss an extended amount of time. Well, yeah, that was six weeks ago. Uh, Right wrist fracture, apparently. So that's bad news for the Twins catching depth. Um, but I still think that they should trade for a catcher. I wrote a column about that if you guys are curious. Right when we found out Jason Castro would be done for the season, I said, go get a catcher. Now's the time if you think you're a playoff team. I still think that. I think they've made it clear what they think about Mitch Garver behind the plate, and I think Bobby Wilson is a 35-year-old journeyman who's a great guy and who they laud for his leadership, but I don't know that you're going to get extra wins out of that tandem as opposed to going to get some depth. So Jordan Pacheco on the DL with a wrist fracture. Hopefully he gets back soon. Hopefully he's healthy and can add to the catching depth that the Twins have. It'd be fun to see Williams Astadio and his extreme um, batting line split. He basically doesn't strike out, doesn't walk, puts the ball in play. And I've got a good Williams Astadio story that I'm sitting on if they call him up. He's got some sneaky power, and uh, there's a spring training story that I have for you guys. Maybe we'll share another episode of the podcast. Um, So that was the Media Guide game, and we got to get to Stat of the Week. You guys will like this, and then I'll sign off and wish you a very happy Memorial Day weekend. Let me get my house cleaning out of the way so that I can just sign off right after. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you. Uh, we are doing record numbers on the Touch Em All podcast these days. It's awesome. We really appreciate that you guys appreciate this. It's the main reason we're cranking out multiple episodes per week, despite the fact that Phil Mackey and I both have an A job that should be taking us away from the podcast, but we keep seeing all of you guys talking about it on social media, sending us very kind notes and emails. 
um, and subscribing to the podcast. So like we can't justify not doing multiple episodes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. If you're watching this on Facebook, awesome. Thank you for hanging out with me in real time. Thanks for everybody who asked questions. This is super fun on a Friday afternoon. I get to call this quote unquote work and hang out and just talk about the twins, which is super cool. So thank you for coming. Thank you for liking it. Thank you for hitting the share button. Just awesome. 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 I can't express my gratitude enough. The stat of the week before I leave you guys for a wonderful weather long weekend is Chris Carter. Chris Carter signed or was traded to the twins and they have him stash at AAA Rochester right now. Yes, he hits a lot of home runs. So that's exciting. Here's the stat career 33.3% strikeout rate in his career. And I thought, well, that's interesting. 33.3%. That's a third, about a third. No, it's exactly a third. I looked it up. Do the math. 2,853 career plate appearances for Chris Carter. He has exactly 951 strikeouts. And yes, I had to get my calculator out. I can't do long division in my head. But 951 times three is exactly 2,853. I thought that was super cool. Chris Carter. Maybe he plays for the Twins. Maybe he doesn't. Possibly he's just minor league, first base, bench bat depth. Whether he plays for them or not, fun stat of the week. His strikeout rate in the majors across more than 2,800 plate appearances is exactly 33.3 repeating percent. How's that for nerdy stat? That's it for me, guys. Thanks for coming this week. Thanks for watching the video. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, and we'll catch you guys after the break. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.